0: What's the worst part about breaking four tackles and running into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown? Not having your Wayfair still with you to protect your eyes from all the flashbulbs. Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to SounderGoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keef to the City Podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, so the holiday season is over, and uh, we're back in the swing of things here. And uh, joining me to talk about Rangers hockey, which seems to be going the best of anything in New York sports in the last couple years, is Brian Monzo of uh, Mike San Frances on the Fan. He's the producer there. You can hear him on WFAN and also on Fox Sports One. Monzo, how's it going today?
1: The best thing in a couple years. Huh? That's some run the Rangers are on.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, when you think, I think when you think about it, I mean, going to the Cup final last year, the way how bad the Yankees have been the last two, the Giants haven't made the playoffs in three. Um, I'm not a Jets fan or an Islanders fan, so I don't really care there. So for the you know the four big teams in the city, the Rangers going to the Cup final and now you know making their way through the Eastern Conference and looking like the team that did in the playoffs last year, I, they really are the best thing in the city in the last few years.
1: So, so the Knicks at five and thirty-two aren't aren't
0: there yet. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you look at the Rangers here, ten out of eleven. Um, they hadn't lost since that that disgusting Red Wings game where they blew that two goal lead at the beginning of December. Aside from that Dallas loss uh, last week, and and when you look at this team, I mean, going into every game, I feel confident that they're going to win. And maybe it's just because of the recent run they've been on, and maybe they haven't played the the best of opponents, and they'll certainly get their sh- fair share of that in, on the West Coast this week. But I haven't had that feeling about the Rangers in a long time, where you feel like they're going to win on any given night, no matter who the opponent is. And I really, I guess, I can't say that I, I ever remember having that feeling.
1: Well, I, I don't know if I have that same feeling, but what I do feel is that even when they don't play their best, they're still going to create plenty of. Opportunities. They're going to give themselves the chance to win um, because their 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 lines are, are playing well. You know, their best players are playing well. Uh, their defense is getting healthy. Lundquist is know, doing his thing kind of under the radar here after a slow start. So, uh, and you know, obviously they're well-coached, the power play is clicking. You know, they, they put together, uh, you know, four really solid lines and, and a rotation on the fourth line, of which obviously is heavily debated with Tanner Glass. But, you know, what happens What you get when you have four lines that are competent um, is even if two or three of your players are just not playing well or, or whatever, you know, you're going to give yourself a chance to win, just based on the depth of the team and how the team is coached. And uh, so far, uh, at least in the last uh, 10, 15 games or whatever, they have put things together. They've gotten healthy. Rick Dunn has gotten healthy from the shoulder. Uh, Dan Boyle obviously he had a uh, hand injury and then the mumps, and you, know, you put everything together. You're getting a healthy roster. Step on, one of the greats of all time, is uh, <laughs> you know coming off that leg injury, and, and he's you know <laughs> taking him some time, but he's he's getting it going. You though I'm convinced he's the only guy in the league that would pass the puck in the breakaway, (laughs) Um, but no, everything is coming together at the right time. It's it's, you know it's there. A lot of people were uh, low on them just based on the amount of moves they made in the off season, the amount of losses, and I still think there's players that they don't have they could still use at this point. But no, they got they got a competent roster, and you know I agree with you in that you know they obviously put themselves in a position where you think they can win. Uh, every game, uh, based on how the
0: roster is. Well, we talked uh, a while back about Rick Nash's remarkable season, and uh, he's two off uh, his goal total for last year at 26 through 65 games. He missed 17 with a concussion. But 24 goals now through 36 games, justifying um, how badly we wanted him a few years ago at the trade deadline before they finally made the move for him. And right now, if you do the math, he's on pace projected to get Fifty-four point six goals. We round up fifty-five, and that would beat uh, Yermir Yager's fifty-four total from oh five oh six by one. And uh, before we get to Nash, I mean, with Yager, you, I, I recently saw you tweet that he's your favorite Ranger of all time, and that sort of took me by surprise.
1: Yeah, you know, I've said that a few times, and it's uh, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you've never heard of Mark Christopher? You never <laughs> heard like obviously, you know those players and, and Graves, Richter, and they go up and down that ninety-four roster, and then uh, you know, there's some other guys I like in those those credit years from 9704. You know, I was one of the rare who grew high fans. I thought he wasn't as bad as a Ranger. People made him out to be. Um, uh, Dan Clouchet for beating up Tommy Sallow, I thought, is a legend. Uh, but there's plenty of things. But if you look at Yager, first off, they traded Anson Carter for him, uh, which in itself is amazing. Um, and they got him at a point where they were. The lasting stock of the league, and look, a lot of it can be pointed to the you know the 0405 lockout, and then uh, you know the, the salary cap of the Rangers turning around. But he is the turning point of the Rangers becoming uh, an elite team in the league and a team that makes the playoffs consistently every year, with the exception of one year since that lockout, and he wasn't on the team then. Um, you know, he's the reason that we've had, in my opinion, he's the main culprit for the Rangers becoming uh, the team, uh, you know, we see now and getting them back to respectability. So he really pulled them out of the gutter. And I think that's something Ranger fans kind of don't appreciate for some reason. You know, but we saw that year he had when we came back, you know, the 54 goals and, you know, the tons of assists and, you know, records galore for the Rangers. Uh, You know, he's the reason that the Rangers, you know, had a couple of playoff runs and were relevant again. So I think that's something that Ranger fans should – Forever, be grateful for for that. He is, you know, my favorite Ranger of all time because he was he was so good
0: for them. So, are you rooting against Nash to, to break the fifty four goal mark? No, I,
1: I you know I it's different. I, I don't you know I'm not a records guy. You know I don't I like stats. You know I like looking at stats and reading stats and seeing you know point per game or whatever. You know, but I don't you know if he scores fifty goals, if he scores sixty goals. I want Rick Nash to do whatever best for the Rangers as long as the Rangers win. If Nash scores six goals the rest of the year. You know, but the Rangers, you know, go 21 games over 500. You know, it, it's that's all that matters.
0: Well, with Nash now and uh, the 24 goals, he's on pace for 55, which is down a little since the last time we talked. But to keep the pace that he had through, you know, the first month or two months of the season seemed uh, like it was impossible. But um, like we always say, he's ultimately going to be judged on what happens uh, in the second season and in the playoffs and what he does there, which is, Maybe fair, maybe unfair, but as far as he's concerned right now, I mean, he looks like at least the best all-around player that the Rangers have had since that Yager season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate just to regurgitate the same I'm pretty sure I said the same thing to you last time, or, you know, I might have tweeted it, you know, but I, I think the big thing with Nash this year is that he's healthy. You know, he had, he's had multiple issues since he's, you know, been with the Rangers. You know, he's had head issues, had shoulder problems, he's, you know, but I think he had a uh, even though it was a shortened off season because they went to the cup final. He had some time to to rehab and you know get his head straight. And uh, on top of that, I think he came into the season you know a little more motivated after uh, for him statistically a, a tough playoff uh, in which it's probably safe to say where if he put a couple of pucks in the net, you know the Rangers might have won the Stanley Cup. But I'm sure that's something that he lives with every day. You know, when is annoyed with himself. You know, just think about. You know, being in overtime in Game 5, or, and, you know, he has the open net. You know, he hits that, it goes back to Game 6, you never know what happens. Um, you know, so, uh, look, Nash has been great. You know, he's also been surrounded by a lot of good players. Uh, you know, he's clicking on the power play, and he's shooting the puck more. You saw it in the first game of the season against the Blues. You know, on his first shot, he buried the puck. He, he didn't think past, he didn't think anything else. He thought, shoot the puck, and he's doing that a lot, and he's shooting the puck a ton. You know, that's what you need from guys who have a natural ability to put the puck in the net. And he's doing that, and so far it's
0: paid off. You mentioned the great uh, Derek Stepan, who uh, we've both, uh, you know, been hard on these these last few years in his first few years uh, in the league and with the Rangers. And this season, he looks like a different guy. And uh, he's missed he missed a lot of time to injury. But um, I know you joked that he, he'd be willing to give up the puck on a breakaway and look for the assist. But his passing has been actually entertaining and fun to watch. And I know, you know he goes through these droughts where he seems to be snake-bitten scoring, and uh, for a guy who's been given enough chances, enough opportunities to succeed, he's finally doing so, and he's still young, and, and maybe he finally is molding into that first-line center that uh, you always joked he would never really be.
1: Well, I mean, look, the, the, the knock on him for me is how, Ben, I, I completely overhyped what he was, and I still think they do a little bit, but he, I've always thought he's a good player. You know, he, I've never said, oh he's, "Oh, he's a brutal player," and, and it's got to get rid of him because he's worthless. He has value, and he does a lot of good things, and he's become a very good passer, um, and, and he's solid defensively, and he's a smart player. And if I had my choice, I would prefer him on the team, than not. Um, <laughs> but my main knock on him is he never shoots. I, mean, he, I there's multiple times where he forced the he's giving the opponent a chance because. He's looked to make the extra pass, or he's tried to make the perfect pass, and and it's cost them a goal, the Rangers. Um, So that's my main knock on him. Uh, You know, if he starts shooting the puck more, I mean, I think he could be a 30-goal guy. He gets the opportunities. He's got a good shot. Um, He's obviously crafty with the puck. He makes good passes. Uh, Will he ever be a player who puts up, you know, 100 points? I don't think he'd ever come close to that. But could he be a 75- to 80-point guy? You know, 25 goals, 45 assists? I think he could be that. I think he's that this season.
0: You got the the best team in New York in the Islanders ahead of the Rangers. You got the Penguins right there as well. Uh, it just seems like for the first time in a while, the Rangers are really you know on that level, that tier one level. And I know their their run in the playoffs last year was um, a, a sh- surely a surprise, and no one expected them to do that. But coming back off that, there doesn't seem to you know, or at least the hangover, if there was one, it seems to be over. And now they really do seem to be on the same footing with the top teams, not only in the East. Uh, but maybe the West, and we'll get a chance to see that this week.
1: Yeah, a lot of tough games coming up. Ducks, the Sharks, uh, you know, these are going to be big tests. I can't take them from, you know, if the Rangers go out there and and lose these games, you know, I'm not going to look at them and say, oh, well, it's just a a joke, you know, they're, you know, obviously not as good. You know, these Western Conference trips are always a little tricky. You like to see them go out and win a couple. I'm not going to judge them as being a poor team if, if they lose them all, they've, you know, historically had some issues. If you remember the beginning of the year last year going out west, they were losing games like 9-1, you know. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, this, is, this would be a good chance to see them go out there and do their thing. And, look, I don't, you know, you mentioned, you know, being in the east. And, look, I, I don't care if the Rangers finish first in the conference or eighth in the conference. You know, it doesn't bother me, you know, even a little bit. Because um, I think, honestly, in a seven-game series, they can beat anybody in the east. You know, the west might be a little different. You know, obviously they'll not get that chance if they get to the to the finals again. But, you know, as far as their, their seeding in the East, you know, I don't care if they finish first, seventh, eighth. You know, a, any team in the East in seven games, I'd be confident they could beat them in a the series.
0: Well, aside from uh, the hockey world, I've seen lately that you've uh, you must be paid by Mike Piazza to run his Hall of Fame campaign because it seems like you are the number one uh, you know campaign manager here to get Piazza in the Hall, and maybe he will eventually. It seems like he's he's trending that way, and I know we've argued about this in the past, and and we've sort of been on the same page in the way the Hall of Fame is constructed and the way people are voted in or not voted in. Um, but it just seems weird to me that a lot of guys who either did or didn't vote for Piazza, who think he's eventually going to get in, um, you know, they, they cite that, this, that he's gotten a better percentage each year. And to me, it's always been, it doesn't matter if, there's, if you're a first, a first ballot or a tenth ballot. When the Hall of Fame ballot comes out, you should just people who vote on it should just look, and either the guy is or isn't a Hall of Fame. It's not like Piazza's playing these next couple of years and has a chance to better or enhance his stats. So it just doesn't make sense to me how he couldn't be one for the last three years, but he could be one next year.
1: You know, it's just a mystery of of to me how these these guys, these writers, who I mentioned yesterday, I respect the job they do. It's a tough job writing because it's it's a grind, it's nonstop. You know, it's this race to be the first report stuff, a lot of travel. I respect the job they do, um, for the you know, but I, I just don't understand the thought process. You know, with the, with this Hall of Fame stuff, and I got these old school guys, you know, that are that are bent steroid era. Uh, you got these new school guys that, that, you know, don't really care so much, and the steroid guys can get in. You know, to me, it's two completely different things. The guy's a Hall of Famer or he's not. You know, Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. He's the best player I've ever seen play. Mike Piazza, I, I, I can't say whether or not he did steroids or PEDs. I have no idea. You know, but I actually heard some people making the argument that he's not a Hall of Famer because he wasn't good defensively. I mean, oh, my God. Uh, the guy's a Hall of Famer, whether it's this year, next year, three years ago. He should have been on the first ballot. Um, It's not my my anger or whatever. You're saying that I'm on the bandwagon for him getting in the Hall of Fame. It's just because he's a Hall of Fame player. There was nobody better at his position for the years he played. And, you know, he's an all-star a ton of times. I mean, it's just the fact that we're even having this debate of whether Mike Piazza is a Hall of Fame or not. is just absolutely mind boggling. You know, it has nothing to do. I mean, I guess some of it has to do with some I'm a Mets fan, but, you know, if he played with the Dodgers his entire career and put up the same exact numbers, I'd still think he's a Hall of Famer. It, it wouldn't matter.
0: Well, to that point, uh, there was debate about whether Curt Schilling's Hall of Famer or Mike Messina, and to me, those guys, you know, they were very good pitchers, uh, you know, for a very long time, but they weren't, like... When I think of a Hall of Fame, I think of, you know, these names that will live in, you know, their legends, their baseball history, you know, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, and certainly not everyone's on that same level it's as them. And there different are different
1: time, though. What's that? It's a different time. <laughs> no, I
0: understand that, but Mike Messina is not a Hall of Fame pitcher. Curt Schilling is not. I mean, Curt Schilling didn't get good till you know, his mid to late 30s, and, uh, you know, that, that should be questioned as well if they're going to question everyone else's, uh, you know, extracurricular activities. But, I mean, the guys that got in – yesterday, deserved to be in. They all, you know. I mean, but were... if you look at it, if it if,
1: here's where, where I have this. I, people have this, like, thing in their head. Like, if I have to think about it, the guy's not a Hall of Famer. That's true.
0: I believe, but, I think that's but I, I think mean, that's but true. It, there might be guys you don't pay attention
1: to how great they are. Like, Jeff Kent, to me, is a Hall of Famer. He's the, I think he's the best hitting second baseman of all time. I mean, he's just he was that dominant at his position. I don't want to hear it because he played with Barry Bonds. You know, but he's not in the Hall of Fame because he wasn't nice to meet your guy. He wasn't a, a good guy to talk to after a game. You know, but on the field he was he was an MVP. He had a hundred RBIs a gazillion times. You know, he hit a good portion of home runs, but he's not in the Hall of Fame because he wasn't a nice guy. Carlos Delgado got left on his first year in the ballot, got less than five percent and is off the ballot the rest of his life. He had four hundred and seventy three home runs home runs a ton of times. Now, if you want to debate whether he's Hall of Famer or not, I can understand that, but he's off the bow the first year because he wasn't a nice guy to talk to. I mean, that that's something. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that.
0: <laughs> no, I agree. I think. I mean, Delgado. I'm not a Delgado guy. I don't. There's another guy who's like, if he's on the brink, then I just feel like he isn't one. But Piazza, and that's fine. That's fine. Piazza definitely is one, and the fact that he hasn't gotten in because of rumors that he may or may not be linked to steroids isn't good enough. And even if he had been, he should still be. And like you said, with Bonds or like Maguire or Sosa, or A-Rod eventually, you know, these guys, you don't know which numbers were real and which weren't, and uh, maybe, you know, I've heard people say in the past that they should have like an indicator on their plaque that says they had been caught or tested positive, and that's fine, but that shouldn't take away from them getting in, because they were the best players at, at their time, and and, and a guy like Manny Ramirez, you know, you don't know if he used him for the last two years of his career, his whole career. And to think that he, he you know, one of the best hitters of our entire generation, one of the best right-handed hitters ever, isn't going to get in. Just, it just doesn't seem right. And um, I don't know, it's because there's no real way to measure or judge who or who shouldn't be in because of steroids. I feel like you have to let them all in.
1: The, the steroid thing, at least to me, in my opinion, the steroid thing, I, I can at least have the argument with guys who don't want to put him in because there's some some kind of moral belief they have. And, you know, a lot of these older school guys are, are hesitant to put him in because of steroids. And while I may disagree with them, I can respect their argument because they have some kind of moral against it and they think the guy's cheated. And while I disagree with it, I can respect their opinion. Not putting guys in or giving them a vote because they weren't a nice guy or weren't nice to the guy. Like, how is Albert Bell not the Hall of Fame? How is it? the guy is un- I and mean, he's not even on the ballot, so he'll never get it. So I mean, if you look at his numbers, the ten years he played, he was quite possibly the best hitter in the game.
0: I guess the moral of the story is you just you got to be nice to people.
1: Right. So you know, I so if Mike Trout is you know a douche and he's told your home runs, he ain't gonna get in the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, or they'll make him wait like it's some sort of punishment.
1: It's just that that's that's what I don't get. The steroid stuff bothers me, but I, I can respect it. Uh, and I can somewhat understand it and debate it. But the the fact that guys get judged on how they, they behave is something that, to me, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. It's just, it's, it's bad. Like, if you look at, don't look at Jeff Kent's numbers and tell me he's not a Hall of Famer. He is. You know, and the thing is, and the only thing I'll debate with you, and look, I can understand and respect your opinion about Musina and Schilling, even though I disagree more on Schilling than Musina. Um, but if you look at John Smoltz's numbers compared to those two, they're not much different. Uh, you know, and then people are going to talk about Smoltz and his postseason performance. Curt Schilling might have been the best postseason pitcher of all time. I <laughs> mean, it's just, I uh, there's just things I don't get, you know? I just don't get it. I don't like it, and I don't get it.
0: Well, also lately on your, uh, your, your lifetime agenda is, uh, you, a Giants fan, rooting for the Patriots and the Cowboys in the playoffs, and, you know, I know you've cited fantasy reasons for that, and fantasy's over. You can't be rooting for the Cowboys and the Patriots.
1: Well, I have well, I like the correct. You know, the Cowboys is one thing, and that's just because I I never had a hatred for the Cowboys. You know, and I like you know I as a giant guy, if, I, if I'm considered a giant guy, you know I hate the Eagles. You know, I'd never root for the Eagles. I'd never root for the Redskins. You know, the Cowboys to me are just you know they're kind of like a. a the show, and I like some of their players. You know, I don't have an issue with Tony Romo. I don't have an issue with DeMarco Murray. I like Dez Bryant. You know, I think I think Odell Beckham is kind of a mini Dez Bryant. You know, if he turns into the player that Dez is, the Giants have an absolute, you know, stud. Um, the Patriots is a different story. I'm not rooting for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, you know, or even get there for that matter. That's more of a gambling aspect, because the minute the Ravens beat the Steelers, you know, everybody talks about, oh, the the, the, the Ravens are going to kill, you know, Brady. That's the one team that the Patriots fear. You know, Patriots don't fear anybody. You know, you think Don Brady is, is shaking his boots because he's got to go against the Ravens? I know we've had some bad luck against them. You know, but let's be honest. We need Belichick, and They're not afraid of anybody. And everybody's going to be betting the, the, the Ravens. You know, hell with that. Patriots, 31-21.
0: <laughs> well... I hope you're wrong because I don't want the Patriots in. They're the last team I want to win. I'd rather see the Cowboys win before I see them win. And if the Eagles were in, obviously, along the same lines as you, I would want them – I would. they would be my least favorite team to win, and I will not root against them in any circumstance. But if it was a Cowboys-Patriots Super Bowl, which would be a disaster, meaning somebody would have to win along the lines of a uh, Mets-Red Sox World Series, um, I would have to root for the Cowboys in that respect. But – I mean, who are you? I, at this point, it doesn't seem like you really care who wins it. And uh... no,
1: well, no, I'm rooting for the Packers.
0: I mean, that's who I want to win. Or I mean, I have a, I have a,
1: you know, I have a, a future wager I put on them a long time ago. So um, I, you know, the problem is the Packers and Cowboys, you know, are playing this weekend, and I have a little bit of soft spot for those players because they've helped me out in fantasy so many times. <laughs> and it's hard for me just the root against them. You know, I love. I've never been fortunate enough to have Aaron Rodgers on my team, but I have Betty Lakey almost every year since he's, you know, the two years he's been in the league. And I've had Jordy Nelson the last couple of years, you know, and then going to the Cowboys. You know, I always draft Romo in fantasy because you can get him late and he consistently puts up 30 touchdowns. I've always, up until this year, had Jason Witten. So that's the reason. But I mean, if you ask me who I'm rooting for, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I will be rooting for the Packers to win and then I hope they go in. Uh, to Seattle, the team I vehemently really hate the most, and, and win that game, uh, you know, pretty handily. So I mean, that's you know, that's where I am right now.
0: See, for me, it's all about not letting the Patriots win, and I feel like their best chance of them losing is either Green Bay or Seattle. I feel like Seattle uh, is the best chance, and I mean, Seattle's probably going to get the Super Bowl because they'll play the Packers at home, and then it's all up to a neutral field. But I feel like the Patriots. There's not really any team in the AFC because they have home field that uh, can knock them off. I don't think and if the if the Broncos had gotten home field, maybe it's a different story if they play in Denver. But I know you've you you rode the Broncos hard all season, and, and even with their you know large spreads, but they just seem like a different team over the last few weeks, and they and, and they don't seem like a team that's capable up. of winning.
1: Something's up with that team. Uh, you know, I think after the season, something's going to get revealed about about being injured. You know, because uh, you know they're not throwing the ball the way they were. I mean. If you had fancy, I mean, if you had Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, even though know, the numbers really didn't decline. I mean, they were must haves every week. Um, you know, and then the, as those numbers kinda of declined. They really went to the running game. You know, even after Ronnie Hillman got hurt, you know, first they had ball, he got hurt, and then with the Hillman, he was good. He got hurt, and then they went to C J Anderson and you're thinking, Wow, they're really just gonna, you know, be throwing the ball non-stop, and then C J Anderson starts scoring three touchdowns a game. You know, so it was uh just kind of fascinating to see how that with. And and you would only think I, I know it kinda worked for him, but you would think that you know, the way you know, Peyton manages a game that even he knows that he has to throw the ball forty times for them to win and so you know, he hasn't been doing that. So I just think that something's been up. Maybe he's gonna try a couple of weeks off here, maybe whatever was bothering him, if anything was bothering him has gotten healthy and he can you know, go out there and get it done and uh, obviously it's most people expect him to, but you know, we'll see. It's actually, it was a pretty uh, entertaining uh, weekend of playoff games, considering two of the games were awful. So I think uh, <laughs> a lot of people were satisfied with that first weekend.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, the thing with you know the Colts, I just really hope they don't win because if the Patriots win, the Colts have no chance of winning in, in July. And I mean, uh, I was,
1: I- you know, they have they have one player. You know, they have the they have, they have Andrew Luck. And everybody else, you know, you hear it a million times. You know, T.Y. Hilton drops a bunch of balls. Uh, Fleener can't catch anything. And then, you know, they got, uh, what's his name, Heron. You know, everybody predicted he was going to fumble for a and he fumbled too. I mean, <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it, you know, but you have a quarterback who, who plays to win, and uh, he he gives them their best chance, but I just don't think it's enough talent for them to win.
0: Well, uh, before I let you go here and, and get ready for your show today, the, uh, the other saddening news is that, it happened to, to my hometown one a few years ago. It was Friendly's closing, and it seems to hit Long Island, and now it hit New Jersey as well, and it's, uh, you know, I, I was going up to a wedding in New Hampshire in September, and on the way there, I stopped at a Friendly's to, to use the bathroom quick, and uh, I should have done more than just take a piss there. I should have sat down and ordered some food, because it seems like that that chance is coming to an end.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, what's funny is there were two within 10 miles of my house, and, uh, and I wouldn't go often, you know, but it was always there, and and some place to go when you wanted either some ice cream or, or a quick, uh, you know, chicken wrap of some kind, and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, a comfortable place to go, and uh, I took, I was there on Eve by accident just because, uh, you know, around seven thirty, eight o'clock, everything was closed, so there was no place to get ice cream, and I wanted to take the kids out to get ice cream, and it was open till 9 or 10 o'clock, so we went in, and uh, had I known that
0: was the last time I was going to be there, now I ordered a bunch of stuff to go. <laughs> All right, Manzo, well, uh, we got the, the NFL playoffs. The Rangers on a roll. Uh, we'll talk again. And, you know, with the holiday season over, we're moving here through January. The Derby's not that far away, so I'm sure you're already you know taking a look at the odds for that. Yeah, I'm taking some time off after the Breeders' Cup. <laughs> All right, Manzo. Well, we'll talk again, and uh, you know, good luck if if uh, if you're placing any wagers this weekend. You too, man. Good luck.